0: Before we start this podcast, the team at The Racing Line Pod would like to thank you for listening and supporting us. So that we can continue to grow as a podcast, we would love it if you could give us a rating and review on your podcast platform. This helps us to grow as a pod moving forward. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this episode.
1: 36. 36. All right. Episode 36, boys. You
2: have to start welcome, 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 mate. No, not doing that it's, shit again. It, it's a tradition, mate. Come on, mate. It's not a tradition. It's been, it's been done once. That's it just, sounds, it's now a tradition. A tradition. Let's go. No, 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 no. I'll do it then. <laughs> Guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 36 of the Racing Line podcast. Do you know how lame that sounds, bro? I did not care. It's, it's our thing now. It sounds lame as... like well, the lame sounds... triplets. It sounds like right? the lame triplets. No, it's so, no.
1: yeah. <laughs> all right, episode 36, Racing Line podcast. Epic recent week of race, like weekend of racing boys. I mean, you could literally have stayed up from Friday to Sunday and had racing all weekend to watch. That's how good this week was. We had um burgering 24 hours from Thursday night. We had Mo- uh Monaco, um, and all the Everything associated with that. We had uh, MotoGP GP We had MotoGP at Magello. We had British GT if you were interested in that. It was an awesome weekend of racing. But let's start with the crown jewel in the um, spectacle that is Formula One, the Monaco Grand Prix. Where do we begin? Interesting race. Red flags. <laughs> Not because of the race itself. Um, qualifying was probably the more exciting of the two sessions to be perfectly
0: honest with you. Yeah. But even Um, that wasn't as good as what it's been in the past. Yeah.
2: Well,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I know. I know the, um, no, why to be honest with you. I think where I'd like to start is just kind of giving a few shout outs to some or some honorable mentions. I think my first honorable mention has to go straight back to George Russell again this week. um, did a really good job, and I think he's it's interesting, but he keeps beating Hamilton and he's qualifying better and he's performing better in the races, so something has to be said for that. So, I give him a bit of kudos. I think after McLaren's very ordinary week last week, for Lando to be fifth in all practice sessions, fifth in qualifying, and then to finish the race in sixth, it's a pretty good result. Um. We won't go into it tonight. We've had spoke about it enough last week, but DR looks like a, de, a defeated man this week. If, um, yeah, if the Insta stories are anything to go by, um, I think VB had another great race. I would like to talk about the Canadian boys tonight if we get a chance because during that second and safety game, nothing to help themselves. <laughs> it made me laugh. Hey? didn't, didn't we, it,
0: Was it Latifi that crashed they, on the way on the, way to the
1: grid? They both crashed they both the did. safety yeah. cars. Yeah. They both. Yeah. Like,
0: do you want know, to start there? Maybe we start there. So I've been saying since we started this podcast Yeah, I know. that both of them, especially stroke, just cause he's a whinging yeah. rich boy. They yeah. need to go. Why are they still there?
1: Cause they've got too much money. That's the problem. But you know what? It was actually good because after like waiting an hour for the race to start <laughs> and all this frustrations being built up, at least when the safety car goes, it's like, oh, here we are finally racing. And then you see those two knuckleheads. Latifi says, knuckleheads. He, <laughs> Latifi, Latifi hits the wall, right? It's a wet race. It's icy. There's not much grip. And he says, the car doesn't turn on his radio. I'm like, That's no right, shit. That's right, he did. Yeah. I'm like, no shit, mate. You are some smart guy. And then within half a lap, we saw Stroll do the same
0: thing. And yeah, anyway. can Can I have an honorable mention as well to another driver? Yeah. Yuki. Yeah. He he ran off at turn one about three or four times in the exact same way. But he like was
1: just he was just figuring out his breaking point at the B.
0: In in the Grand Prix,
1: not not in practice. Well, he was still figuring it out, right?
2: <laughs> um I feel like, like Yuki's one of those drivers who there's there's tracks that, that he actually is really good at, like last week. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to these other tracks that he um I Suppose having said that he do the F2s race there, don't they? Yeah, but he's only been racing, um, yeah, for a very limited amount since of time. he was like
1: 15. I think it was mm. like he started, he got into the racing game pretty. He's that's not the, an excuse,
2: he's not on the least excuse. races getting to his yeah. F1 crew, yeah. Um, but did, yeah, yeah but so you, I think. Yeah. He, I, I'll give him a bit of a pass for this weekend. The other, um, the other consideration is he's
1: still racing in F1, so there's got to be some level of, like, if you're racing there, there's got to be a level of
2: mm.
1: expertise that you have. He's kind of a bit like the Strolls in that regard. He like, He's not really there on merit. He's there because Honda need to put a Japanese driver on the grid, right? Um, but I think he done well. He got into the, into qualifying three, which was, which was very good for him, particularly at a track like that. But I think the biggest story of the weekend has to be, um, well we'll talk about two things. I think the red flag and what was going on there has to be the first point of debate. And then number two, I think it has to be the track itself. Um, and whether there's a future for it in formula one, because that was a very processional race. Now it's always a very processional race, but uh, unless you were Gasly on the intermediates when everyone else was on the wet, it hardly looked like anyone was getting a run on on each other this week. So what, how do you
2: boys see those two talking points? I think one thing that we always talk about, or we've been speaking about more recently is about um, them trying to make a lot of tracks and more um, passer friendly. Mm. And um like we've seen it with the layout for Albert Park, we saw it with the DRS zones. I think it was at Jetta, mm. um, and every street track that they sort of make. And I think um, when we look at Monaco as a circuit, uh, the ability there is literally no ability to 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 make it um, like to give you a place to pass unless they were to change the layout drastically. I reckon. Yeah. But the actual track itself was great. Right, was from when cars were a lot smaller and probably mm-hmm. not as fast. So you think like, that, Sorry, keep going. Like I, I like it's the crown jewel in the race, like in quotations, but in terms of the, like everyone knows, like what is it the last eight years minimum, probably even more than that. Everyone's right. been saying like you need to qualify at the front. Like this is the first time I think the, the winner hasn't been from the front row Mm. Um, through like no fault of their own. So I mean, what like it is a pretty boring race unless it rains. You get red flags, um, or so the team forget like forgets your your tires in the pits, like, like if you're yeah. Danny Rick a couple of years ago. I mean, other than that, what really is there?
1: You know, I was thinking when I was watching it. You know, the whole tunnel and then chicane section. What if they made that a straight all the way through to the second chicane? At the swimming pool, it's still not wide enough. I don't think you'd have a hell of a long ride, but to actually
2: you would need, make They overtake. need the chicane. They need the chicane there to slow the cars down in case you would to to to, to have a crash coming through that tunnel They'd and going into the sea. You would go or you go straight into the fans.
1: Mm. Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about it, H, as a circuit moving forward?
0: Um, well, Stefano Dominikali has already come out and said that. It's um, you know, their contract hasn't been renewed for next year as yet. Mm. I think it will. I think they're just playing hard. They actually, don't hard, bring any hard money hard to the fund. That's the other thing. Don't get me started on the TV direction because Monaco do their own. Um, but they I don't do. Know. What, sorry. So Formula One does the world feed for every track except for Monaco. Monaco has really? their own. Yeah, and that's why it's always. Do you remember last year the the Someone was ha- something was happening at turn one, and then they panned to Lance Stroll coming out of the pits or something. Like it was completely. It's because the TV director is not the normal one. So oh, I see. They always the the TV direction is
2: horrible. But anyway, even um, like in the, even like when the red flag came out in qualifying, mm-hmm. by the time they got to where the crash was, Yuki wasn't even there anymore he was already going into the pits as well. Like little things like that. That makes yeah. a lot of sense now.
0: We didn't even see mix crash until five minutes after the red flag came out. Like, yeah. It was. but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they're saying tracks like Spa and Monaco are under pressure. I think Spa is the best, one of the best tracks on the, on mm-hmm. the calendar that needs to stay. But I think, there is an argument there for Monaco to not be on the calendar. And maybe we can do like a a rotational basis where it's on every two or three years. Then I think Mm -hmm. it'll add more value to it. But every year it's just a punish. I I really don't see any
2: entertainment value in, in, in racing in Monaco. I mean, he's, he's, he's the sort of the juxtaposition. You have two races this weekend Mm that sort of, um, Uh, position themselves to be sort of the crown jewel of open wheel racing, which you have the Indianapolis 500 and the uh, Monaco Grand Prix and need, and and they couldn't be two more different races. But when you, when you see like one against the other, um, especially on a weekend like this, there's really no um, sort of question of which one's a a better thing. More appealing spectacle. And they're going in and they're going around the oval and Mm. it's still a better a better sort of spectacle than, than the Monaco mm. race. Cause Monaco race is just a procession.
0: Mm. Mm. I mean, you know what I loved about Indy? Tell me the lack of safety rules. Like they've got the pits are out in the, you know, they're not inside a garage kind of thing. But then mm. at the end of the race, you see there's a whole heap of people in the pit boxes, you know, that aren't even part of the team. They've got no helmets yeah. on, they've got no nothing. Yeah. Like it, I think it's just epitomizes the difference between Formula One and Indy at this point. Yeah, I think them. sport.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think what IndyCar also tries to do is keep it because they do struggle to collect fans and Indy, like the Indy 500 is mm. by far the biggest like draw card for them. So they still try to make it as relatable as possible for people when they do come to the events mm. um, because because they are, they're always like, they're always trying to, to bring more fans in, like they they have nothing really in comparison to NASCAR, unfortunately. Um mm. so that's always like a consideration for them where in Formula 1 it's still very much
0: run like Eurocentric.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's also just very um like calculated in that regard. Mm. Um you made a good point and I don't want to just start talking about tracks again because I feel like we've <laughs> spoken
2: about too it too much
1: i think we've spoken about it enough but i do think that what was really interesting there was a few things that i took from it number one for the first time in however long these cars were go- like coming out of the i don't know what the corner is that leads under the tunnel but yep. those cars don't have a whole lot of downforce and they were kind of Drifting their whole way through that corner a lot of the time which is something I noticed, which was good to see. But I feel like if you're going to have a track like Monaco and you want to keep racing there, the cars have to be smaller. Now we know that we know that the, the the with the new like iteration of car they plan to get a little bit smaller and a little bit lighter in the next two to three years they're saying. But I think the writing's on the wall for Monaco with these new cars. It was that dull
0: to watch. Um, and it, it just wasn't appealing at all really and they took they took the biggest jeopardy out of it as well when they didn't let them start when it was wet
1: yeah 100% and that's the other thing that we need to talk about tonight so we we've obviously got um new race direction and it was raining very minimally at the start of the race it def- the race definitely could have got um could have got started it didn't for whatever reason and then it seemed like that they were just waiting for that very um heavy shower to pass, but even still like, what are they there for? Are we there to race regardless of the conditions or are we there to wait for good conditions and then have our race? So I don't know how you guys felt about that, but just being someone that has to wait till midnight to watch the race, I felt my patience definitely starting to wane. And, and you know, the interesting thing is, like you said, like that, that actually would have given the race a little bit of spice, a little bit of jeopardy. And then even after the, the storm came, it's like they were worried to get the race started just because there was lingering cloud, um, over the mountain in the background. So it was bizarre. Hopefully it's a bit like there's new race directions. Hopefully it's something that kind of makes Formula One say, Hey, this can't happen moving forward. Um, but even that, like it doesn't, it doesn't increase the spectacle at all. I personally think that the biggest telltale sign for how difficult it is now to pass if these new cars around this track is the fact that Sergio Perez had a huge lockup going into turn one and he was able to um, like very comfortably defend his lead for the next 30 laps still. And I was hoping and thinking that maybe the fact that he had such a, Heavy flat spot would maybe have like triggered the tyres in breaking to then you know reflat itself when it went around that point, but even
2: that um, didn't happen. So Dude, yeah. the, track is, the track is a goat track. Like it <laughs> it's a is, what track? It's a goat track. It's so narrow. It's like a little track on the side of a cliff. There's yeah. there's there's no room. Like <laughs> the the only time we saw real overtaking was when Pierre had the inters on and they started working for him. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was, I thought, I thought, Oh, this is like some, finally some, some pretty decent overtaking in, in Monaco. And I suppose the tires were what really gave him the confidence and the ability to do it. Mm. But in open racing, when everyone's on the same tires, like the funny thing is you'd probably be stupid to uh, try and move at nearly any corner on that track. The front corner isn't even conducive to passing. Really. It's such a, such a narrow little, little kink and, 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 there's no literally no runoff anywhere. Like if you sat down and and you thought about a track without knowing like what track it was, and you put out this layout, and then and and you and you judged on on its judged on its merits. I mean, I know you love it, yeah, because you just love stupid goat track
1: tracks no, I, to race. I, I've, I've been but, saying that and, I think it stays are done.
2: But, I mean, really. um, they're always boring races. Like even the team principals are like, "Oh, if you do, if you if you you need to qualify on the front on the front row, or like you're not going to get a win kind of thing." I mean, Ferrari is the only team who have not won when they've locked out the front row in like the last fifteen years.
0: It's the most Ferrari I've thing done it ever. Twice. Too. But can I can I say? Um, do you think the budget cap, as we all know, there's a budget cap now, has affected? the actual racing. Cause you think back a few years ago, I remember, I think it was 2018 Leclerc was making big moves down after the tunnel into the chicane. He had the big accident. Like there was always people throwing the cars around, mm. even though the previous cars were bigger. There seemed to be they're more, smaller.
1: They, 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 sorry, these are bigger than the
0: old cars. No, I think these are smaller. These are wider. Yeah. But sure they're, they're. they're not as <laughs> long anyway. There seems to be the drivers are being more cautious and they're yeah. not throwing the car, at. and I think having this budget cap as as much in theory, it's meant to bring the teams closer together. Yeah, I think it may be affecting the racing because everyone's scared to wreck the car.
2: I think yeah. the budget cap is a fast, The more, the more, like I hear stuff about it. I mean. And we're going back to stuff we talked about last week, and everyone's preaching about this budget cap, or oh, we're not going to, be able to finish the season on a budget cap. They're all talking I, rubbish. I, I, don't yeah, F1, I don't even think F. I don't even think F. One wants a budget cap. I just think they want people to think about it because we're going to add another four races next year. Um, so, like realistically, they, they say we're going to adjust the budget cap. But that just means they're okay with teams spending more money like they're not that's not actually helping the teams out that's just mm. helping them out to get more money themselves so mm. i think the budget cap is is more a pr stunt than anything i mean cuz if, if we put it this way if ferrari or or red will go oh we need to expand the budget cap so we can finish off a good season cuz we're running out of damage money or stuff like that they're like all right we're just going to adjust it again cuz we're not going to let the season like the No i
1: don't i don't think they'll I, I don't think they'll do that to be honest with you i think we can't really we can't talk about with any certainty about the success of the budget cap until we see next year's racing to until we see the impacts of the of of like the success ballast essentially like being more successful is going to impact your ability to develop your car the next year, so I think it's a bit premature to be talking about whether the budget cap will be successful or not i do like your question though h yeah i think i think maybe a bigger consideration than the budget cap might just be the fact that it was wet and 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 people weren't as comfortable throwing the cars around but there has been a lot of rhetoric by red bull and mercedes it's always those teams right Like they're the teams that are spending in you know huge amounts of money and all of a sudden it doesn't surprise me that they're the ones that are struggling to stay under the cap. Like that's no reality. But um I hope that F1 stays strong on it because there's all these threats of Red Bull saying, oh we just won't race and all this kind of shit. Don't race. The the reality is like there's no way they would have gone into this season without simulating expenditure um for the whole season. So I don't know how that's going to going to play out. I think it's just them trying to Kind of free up a bit more space for themselves to develop or to
2: whatever it might be. Um, Do teams like ours or the teams that have to really worry? They have, Mick has ridden off that car twice in like six races. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, I was, and the, the reason I brought it up was because I think he, when he first wrecked the car, he didn't race in one of the races because they were worried they wouldn't have enough parts for. I think it was no, sh- for Melbourne. He, he wrecked
2: it. In, he wrecked it in qualifying. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And he didn't race it in the race after. That's right, because of Melbourne. But that's also a flyaway. They're flyaway races. So they're not Europe centric. You know, in Europe they can get parts a lot easier, mm. I suppose.
0: Can I speaking of Schumacher? Mm. Do you think he's all part in of jeopardy? the learning. It's
2: all part of the learning, mate. I don't think his seat's in jeopardy. He's shown a lot of good stuff this year, as well as his two crashes. Like he's definitely looked more racy, had a few mm. like a few more noteworthy qualifying um, results as well.
1: I, mean, I think. Kate, I think.
2: Sorry. I think like more than anything, like that track is really hard for for guys with not much experience. Like we've seen Leclerc. Well, this, yeah. Verstappen. Verstappen
1: crashed there mm. three times, three years ago. Yeah.
2: We've seen every big racer have a have a have a pretty decent moment at Monaco. Like it's it's not. Mm. Uh, Rare, that's for sure. I mean, this year was probably the one that had the the least begin uh, the least incident, I'd say what like I think, really.
1: What I think Schumacher has actually found out this year by having Magnussen as a teammate instead of um uh, Mazapin is just what a effective teammate, like how it helps to build competition. And I think the first few races when Magnussen definitely had the upper hand, it was kind of like a bit of a learning experience for him. Um, But I think he's kind of bounced back in the last few races and, and really put in some, some solid performances. But I think it did take him a little bit of time just to realize, Oh, you know, I'm not the biggest fish in this team. And there's other drivers out there that I might have to like extend myself more towards like just to to achieve higher things. Um so I think that has actually been a really good thing for the team just having another competent driver in there to to bring both of them up. Um but yeah I don't think his seat's in jeopardy his name's too big and the reality is if he just shows some sign of growth um then like when Botas goes he'll be in the Afro seat. Yeah, yeah definitely
0: fair enough just i was just thinking about it over after
1: what happened yeah. yesterday yeah yeah hasn't been as he hasn't been as um world beating as um some might assume but like it's also
2: he's in a pretty ordinary car um I think I mean magnificent ordinary a few. like in some in some races it's good yeah like that's last true. week but like yeah. it's 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 sort of like the reverse McLaren wherever the McLaren is good, that car's not and wherever that car's not good the McLaren needs to be good. Mm. so it's a bit like a bit of a seesaw it's between been, it's them. been
1: it's been interesting like with the exception of the two top teams, all the teams on the grid even Mercedes seem to have slightly fickle cars that more than in years gone by perform better at particular circuits and are dramatically worse at other circuits and it's, it's pretty, it's been good for like the midfield battles just to keep it interesting to see different cars at the back end of the top 10. So I don't know. I think that's probably one good thing about these, these new rules, but
2: here's one thing I want to bring up. Now you bring up Mercedes. Mm. Um, I just want to draw a bit of attention between Mercedes and like a team like Ferrari, right? So if you look at Mercedes throughout the year, since we've known the performance level of that car, of that car, (coughs) I don't mean you would say that um, as a team, they have pretty much maximized one hundred percent their position every race and sort of minimized the hurt, right? I reckon, so, they've,
1: I reckon they've outperformed yeah,
2: but what the I, expectations yeah, of the but car. What I'm saying is like you have, you have a team that even though the car isn't working at its best, yep. the, um, the team is still running as like a world championship team. And that was sort yep. of what we were saying about Red Bull through the doldrum years as well. Like they are always yep. running at a high level. Yep. Compared to where the car was to its competitor, yep. right? Yeah, he, stealing. He, yeah, but like here, like I think this weekend especially showed, like the main area that Ferrari need to get onto like quickly strategy. to sort to sort of not it's not even strategy. It's just like it's more like how damage like limitation. What, no, but like what is. Um, like how is the team led kind of thing, right? You see like Red Bull and uh, Mercedes are run by um, sort of alpha male kind of leaders, but the Mm -hmm. team, the team always has a level of expectation to how it runs every weekend. Yeah. Whereas like Ferrari has had this problem, like not even just recently, like even that year when Seb was actually mounting a pretty good challenge. um, 18. I think it was 18. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it all fell apart. Like the team, like the team, has always had a very, like, emotional sort of core. And um, I think, like, in times like this, like, you, you need a team that is, is not emotional and is very sort of systematic.
1: Um, I, I, don't, I think that's a bit harsh, but to be honest with you, because,
2: like... Yeah, but if, but if, if Ferrari lose this season on this trajectory...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I there's
2: been no mistake from their drivers in yeah. terms of, like, what to expect. You know what I mean? Yeah. loss. Yeah, I'm mean, I'm talking about the drivers' championship. Like yeah. Leclerc is 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 their front runner, and he's now behind in the championship through no fault of his own. You well, know what I'm he,
1: saying it is because he 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 made a mistake at Imola, and he he the 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 fault has to go squarely on him for that particular race result. But apart from that, like he's been they, made, good. they made a bad decision this race, bringing him in after Carlos. And I think the fact is that. This was, this was obviously not the track to make that mistake, but...
2: It wasn't um, bringing him up the colours. It was putting him on the tyres so much later than Paris.
0: Yeah, that was do, the main mistake. Do you think the fact that they've been out of championship um, contention for the last, what, three or four years, mm. Red Bull had last year with Mercedes. Red Bull's match fit. Red Bull mm. yeah, has hasn't down, a, ha, has Red Red down Bull, pat. Red Bull yeah. only had one year to sort of make it count. And they were ready.
2: That's what I'm saying. Mm, like yeah, they yeah. had, a, they had a long time of nothing. Yep. But the year that they had, they had a chance. Yep. They were ready, and they jumped yeah. on it. Like if for, this might be Ferrari's only hypothetically, they might not get a chance next year. Mm. Let's see how Mercedes comes back. You know like, what I mean? That so that like, radio message, the communication is horrible. Like dude, at, at this they level, him, they called him in, and then while he was in the pits, like 20 yeah. meters from the box, they're like, "Not stay out." I'm like, dude, he's <laughs> he's in. Like. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I think there's just, there's going to be growing pains. Um, and that's just, it sh- there shouldn't be, but that's the reality. I think the match fit statement that you guys have race is a very good one. I think like that's the reality is like, if you're not in a situation that like the difference between a battle in the midfield and I think a battle at top is very different. Now, obviously we're just, I'm spitballing, but again, like the, If you, for example, want to throw caution to the wind and and make have a a different pitch strategy, then the reality is you might be fast a lot faster than the bikes, the cars behind you. So you don't have as much of an impact if you were to make a mistake. Whereas going into this particular situation now, I think we've seen straight away that the impacts of not getting the decision the strategy right astronomical and we saw that last year with mercedes when they made a few mistakes as well that gifted red bull victories that at the front of the field when it's as close as it is and if you looked at even the racing as well like how close were the front four cars oh so um, late late into that like that's probably something that we didn't talk about but that was very tight the front four cars at that race were all really tight towards the end of the race so it's going to happen um I do think that with the upcoming slate of races though, particularly when you think about places like Spa, when you think about places like Paul Ricard, when you think about a lot of Silverstone tracks like that, Baku, I think Ferrari definitely has more than enough uh, leg room on tracks like that to to kind of get back into this championship fight.
0: Well, they Charles were looking, put it on pole last year. Yeah. They were, look,
1: yeah they were looking dominant even, uh, even this weekend until it kind of all fell apart for them. Mm. Um, and I think even though he didn't win the race, Carlos saints kind of bounced back to a bit of form. It was a what, half a 10th off, of Carlos in qualifying and they were very close during practice as well.
2: One thing with Carlos that was really interesting and, and sort of, um, I think cool to to see was they were, they were really um, calling for him to come in for those inters, mm. and he was adamant saying, no, I don't want to come in for the inters. Just, I'm just going to wait for the, for the slicks. And I'm like, nah, come in for the inters," And he's like, there's no point. I'm just going to lose track position. Mm. Um, and he really stuck to his guns and mm. the um, yeah, he didn't come out in the front, but like, it definitely was um, like, once he knew that sort of window had passed, you yeah. know, that's sticking to what like to, to that his, his strategy. He stuck mind. to his
1: guns. He stuck
2: to his guns. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, maybe that's something that Leclerc might do more in the future, but like you don't want it to go too far as well because the team can see all that information on the um yeah. on the pit wall. But I just think um, like when you're when you're leading from the front and you're a front running team. You don't have the luxury of like having a reactive strategy. You have to be very proactive, yeah. And I think that's where uh, where Mercedes and Red Bull really excel is that they they do they crunch the numbers, but but their strategies are are very rarely questioned. Like uh, yeah. at, at, in the hindsight of a race, they've also and been think, in those situations much yeah, and, uh, more and, uh, regularly. And that's what I'm saying. Like that's where that match fitness I think comes from that we're talking about in terms of like leading from the front, mm. where Ferrari sort of definitely haven't been even closer than that, like to challenge like that kind of thing. I mean, the other thing is that they've actually had pretty good strategy up to this race. So I don't want to be too critical.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it's still such a long season right now. Like I think they'll, they'll get back in the hunt. They'll learn as they go. Like the reality is the track, because the track is so, the season is so long nowadays. Like you can afford to have one or two slip ups and still be right there at
2: the end. There's I mean, still there are 15 races left. Their car, yeah. st- their car still seems to be objectively the better car as well. 100%. Like that, that's, that's the um the long and short of it. Yeah. Mm, 100%. Very much very much the case.
1: Um, There was something else that I wanted to say, and now it's slipped my mind. About the raising? Yeah, about the F1. No, we'll move on. If I can't think about it, we'll move on. H hey, is sent- power rankings. Oh, yeah, well, have you sent through those power rankings?
0: Yeah, on the uh, chat. Let's have a look at that. All right, so, so yep. You want me to read them go, out? Go for it. So number one, I got Sorry, Checo. T- before you go, is this
1: just on the season or the last few races, last two races. So since, races, since, yeah.
0: since we last did our power rankings, all right. Yeah. Um, number one, Checo. So he yeah. was, he was faster than well at one stage. He was faster than max in Barcelona, mm. qualified quite well. And this race, you know, led from the front. We know it's easier to do in Monaco, but still he put himself in that position and kept it. Yeah. Two, I've got Georgie boy. He's out driving that car big time compared to Lewis. Um, now these are, these aren't totally based on just prefacing this. These are finished position. It's how they're performing in relation to their car and yep. etc. Three, I've got Max obviously, cause he's one last race really come yesterday. Third leading champion, leading, leading championship. Charles put it on pole, lost the race due to no fault of his own. Mm. Um, he did DNF in the last race but he was in the lead that was no fault of his own either that's right so five I got uh, old mate Fernando mate Mm. what he did yesterday questions
2: about this though
0: yeah
2: like I think yesterday he was quite good but I think in the the last three races I think Ocon's performed
0: he went from P20 to to P9 yeah but that's Barcelona
2: that's going through that's going through the cars he should go through yeah, but he still had to do
0: it. That's fair enough. Okay, this is your power rankings anyway. Yeah. No, that's fine. Uh, six, BB. I think yeah. he's having a stonking of a stonker season. Seven, yeah. Carlos. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he's he's down 7-0 in quality against Charles. No, he yeah, he's, he's, he needs to pull up his – and he's made mistakes, yeah. so that's yeah. fine.
2: Yep. Yesterday was a good – I think yesterday was a good result for him maybe to build some momentum from as well. Like he really did – he looks
0: like his old self, I think, yesterday for the first time this year. Yeah, mm. I, hundred uh, percent. I think it's going to do good for his confidence. Eight, Lewis. Um, you know, he's just constantly putting in those six, seven, eight positions. I would have put Lando, I would have put Lando above Lewis, and I'd
2: probably put Esteban above Lewis as well. Really,
0: mm. yeah, well, Lando finished what P nine last last week, Yeah, he finished P six mm.
2: yesterday. Lando was actually really good yesterday. I, I think wondered, I I like your... Can I throw
1: a few suggestions? Yeah. I would throw I would throw Valtteri to fifth and swap him with Nando.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I would put Lando in sixth, Esteban in seventh, Nando in eighth, and then Hamilton. Um, and then Carlos and Hamilton. I don't know. I don't do anything. I don't know what, uh, what Lando has done wrong, really. Like the car wasn't that good last week and he was – Pretty good this week. I don't think he's been a world beater, but I think nah. he's been better than Lewis. Lewis has been pretty, like, I
0: think uh, this is, Lewis I'll be honest with you. I,
1: I think yeah, this yeah. is going to be his last season, eh? Yeah,
0: you keep saying that. I
1: really I do. do. Like I, I think I, so.
0: I don't know how a,
1: what is he, seven time world champion? Yeah. I don't know how a seven time world champion, like, well, we've got, had six or seven races now he is get like, he's getting beaten qualifying and race now pretty consistently by George.
0: I, don't uh, know how. I think the quality pretty close, but race definitely.
1: I mean, like in the last couple, like he was, yeah. there, he was, he was on top early on in yeah, quality, okay. but yeah. I think more recently, he will take the last three or four races. I think he's getting, he's getting it served to him. Now he's kind of saying, he was saying in an interview yesterday that, um, something happened and it kind of affected his ability to qualify. Um, or maybe it was the red flag at the end, but I'm like, you know what? Like regardless of the situation, everybody kind of got affected by that at the end. Like he yeah. just hasn't been performing. I don't know if the trend I continues.
2: Think, I think I could, be, could be having a, a somewhat similar thing to what's happening with Danny Rick, to be honest, mm. like they're, 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 they're in a position where they're getting out qualified. The, the car's probably not to their liking, yeah, and I reckon, I reckon, like their confidence, probably the first time in their careers, both of them really, yeah. is um, is probably shot because they haven't like, even if you're the your 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 car is shit, but you're performing better than your teammate. Like, yeah. there's something to sort of um, hold on to, hold on to. But like at the moment, they're both performing subpar, but their teammates, are, uh. You know, are making are, are making moves and and doing stuff, and they seem to not be able to do. I mean, yeah. the, the the caveat is Lewis had a really good race through the pack last week, yeah. um, and then no, you this just, yeah, and then this be- track. It's hard to pass, but the reality is he still got beaten by his teammate, mm. and that's not going to really give anyone any solace. No matter how good mm. your race was last week, or
0: yeah, you can't pass. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to spend too much time on on Danny Reek after last week. Yeah, no. but looking at he's intervi- a pretty good. Look,
1: it was a pretty good premonition, but
0: I think yeah, looking at his interviews this week, looking yeah. at looking at his. Just his facial expressions, his body language. I think he went out in FP2, he started to throw the car around, which I loved. And then he had the he had the crash. And I think that threw him again. Because he was what P P7 in FP one. So he was he was quite fast in FP1. Mm. Throwing the car around in FP two had the accident. And then I think that just shot him again and it's one put thing, him back. One thing I don't understand.
2: I, I've been thinking about it this week. I don't know what Zach Brown uh thought he was going to achieve by bringing up sort of contracty um like mechanisms I mean there's no benefit to to really either side of the equation because Zach Brown actually bought Ricardo in so if Ricardo fails it doesn't reflect well on Zach Brown either so i don't I don't see the point of bringing up contract mechanisms in and in in, in in talks that have been made public now. I mean, yeah, you yeah. can all say he's not performing well. Like you can say stuff without bringing up such specific, you know, such like specific details that were probably only privy to the team and Danny Rick.
1: Yeah. But um, it's like, it's kind of, it's probably like being a football manager every now and then sometimes like you've got to put your arm around the shoulder. I'm sure he's done a lot of that because of the, the fact that he brought him in and the pay packet that he's on and all that kind of stuff. And then sometimes you just have to, you have to light a fire under them and see if that gets I, a reaction. I don't I'm think, sure, I don't think I'm sure Sean
2: that managers uh, uh, any, is managing an F1 driver is anything like managing a footballer.
1: Well, they're both, they're both athletes and they both go through peaks and, tr- and valleys in performance. And I think he's in a Valley. And I think there's probably been a whole lot of, You know, putting the arm around the shoulder and saying it's gonna come, it's gonna come. And I think the it's I think it's only a natural tendency every now and then to say, well, maybe I've just got a light of fire Mm. underneath his ass and 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 see if he jumps. And he didn't. He just let it burn his (laughs) he let the flames lick his
0: butt cheeks, I think. Well, we'll see in Baku, because he's usually quite strong in Baku. And he's good at Baku. There's more like Monaco if you're you know and if you Any, bury yourself in the smallest, pack, you're, yeah. you're stuffed. Look That's at Gasly. Right. Gasly was having the best,
2: one of the, one of the strongest looking weekends. Mm. His teammate brings out a red flag. Mm. He can't even get a P1 and he has a, he has a pretty awesome race making moves and he finishes P12. Yeah, I think that was his best race price. of the season, but
1: that was yeah, his best was. race of the season. He was awesome. Was. Really good. I loved his helmet too this week. That, that just bit of gold on it. Beautiful. What, really
0: what was good. the go with Hamilton swapping halfway through the race? You know what? A I lot think of rain it, visors. yeah,
1: the, they, a lot of them oh, weren't prepared okay. with the rain visor, and then when they when they had the one hour, maybe that was the reason why they had a one hour delay because all those people that <laughs> had special had special Monaco helmets that couldn't race them. All of a sudden, they had an hour delay, and they all changed to their um what was the go back to their special. One? Oh, he got some model. Am- some
0: amethyst crystal thing. They made is some it, model is that of for, his helmet is that and for then
2: jewelry. He,
1: yeah, I, the, I, I think a sculptor the, made it. Uh, some, well. sculptor, some sculptor made a model of his helmet and then inside the model, it was like cut open and there was like jewels coming out of it. So then he, he like replicated the model. He, he replicated the design of the sculpture on his helmet to pay oh, wow. homage to the model of his helmet. It was, that's very, it was a very self-fulfilling self, self, <laughs> prophecy, like a very self-fulfilling experience, I think. But,
0: ha- hashtag blessed.
1: <laughs> not not right now, mate. <laughs> not the way that he's performing right now. Um, yeah, interesting race. I'm I'm looking forward to a, getting back to a track that provides a bit more mm. options.
0: is um, always but, fun. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm looking forward to Baku At the very least, you get passing maneuvers in the front straight that are yeah. completely unrealistic. But <laughs>
2: you mean the, run, are you talking about the runway? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much a runway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um,
1: what do we uh, go into? Jump into a bit of MotoGP.
2: Yeah, I was actually actually really enjoyed this weekend of MotoGP. To be honest. Well,
1: well you, you let's let's throw it to you then. I picked no, the it, boys.
2: Peko, I picked it. You, you did, you pick, did it. pick. You did pick it, but but man, it, if it it didn't look as easy as as you, you um your pick probably made it out to be. <laughs> I mean, where do we begin? Do we talk about? I mean. I want to talk about firstly about uh, Fabio D. G. Antonio. Did I butcher his name? In that? No. No. Um, calling Digger. What a what an awesome effort in qualifying. Digger. That's his um, nickname, Digger. There's one thing that I think is is very underrated in MotoGP qualifying is that if you go out in qualifying one and you're setting and you're setting. Really good laps usually it helps you when you go into qualifying two because unlike anyone else you're warm and you can but you sort do
1: of, lose a set of tires
2: you do, but you also gain a lot of sort of you, like you hit the ground running a lot quicker mm. like you sort of hit it from where you left off in 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 q uh q one and i think one thing that really helped fabio fabio uh, dg was that he was um he was following Miller and Marquez, who were the two fastest guys in in that Q one session by far, at the time, and I, I don't know, following them um, gave him a blueprint for like a, a a really good lap. But man, on that when when um,
1: when There's worst people you could follow,
2: huh? Yeah, dude. Like,
1: like, the dude, worst people you like could follow.
2: he 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 wasn't he wasn't as close to Marcus as Marcus was to Miller. Yeah, but there was a part when I was when when Miller and Marcus were coming around on their last flying laps, and they were both setting red 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 red, yeah. and then I, I noticed in the in in the background, like on the on the timing screen, that. Um, Fabio was also setting reds and then I was looking at his splits and I'm like shit this guy's getting pole and Marcus is going to beat Miller because Marcus is getting his toe down the straight Um, so Jack's not going to make it into Q2 this race and um, sure enough huh? You got to get to your point, mate. And sure enough, it happened. I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to set the stage for, for, for a rookie's poll. <laughs> you,
1: you're just like telling us a, it's telling us a tale.
2: Telling you, yeah. Anyway, leading so, us down a path. I mean, I mean that that was actually was probably one of the best Q ones I've seen, yeah. um, this year. It was really good. And then also, just the um VR46 team as well. Yeah. <laughs> actually, getting into Q two to begin with. Um, if you can get into Q2, obviously you're going to be in that top 12, mm. but they were all, like, and they're all Italians. So they probably all raced at that track many times. Um, but like, what a interesting number one front row, but also what a a, a great um, event for the VR 46 team to get some, get some shine at, at the same race that Valentino Rossi's number gets um, retired um, from motor GP. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, I thought it was, it was a really th- good qualifying session.
1: It was, It's was, it was sad. I could, not sad, but like after both being on the front row and then seeing them finish, I think they finished fifth and sixth. Like that would be like, you'd be like, oh, they did. They performed pretty poorly. But for them to finish that highly was a phenomenal effort for that Dude, they've
2: team. Ne- like, they've never had to manage like no, yeah, tyres I mean, I mean, to erase the point, at that position. The, yeah.
1: The point I'm trying to say is like they did really well but like you would look at it and be like, oh, they've started second and third and they dropped back. But no, for them, that was a fantastic result. I think the biggest thing that I took when I was watching this race is how far, um, like only a couple of years ago, with the exception of, um, Rossi and Davizioso, who were both getting a little bit long in the tooth. There was definitely a conversation about where the next young Italian, you know, group of riders was going to come from. And then, very quickly um rossi established the vr46 stable and you know pretty much any italian rider that wants to can get out there and and be involved in it but to see the the talent like the, the just the number of talented young italian riders in the grid right now from where it was only a couple of years ago when it was predominantly spanish is phenomenal and it's 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 changed very quickly it's obviously the reason why the British have also started their own youth team with you know um Vision Track um British Talent Cup, whatever it's called. Um, because it's only so, so Americans quick. have American yeah, racing in Moto. Because, too. Yeah, it's like this race for me just showed it was like testament to those five, six years of, of development. But it was awesome to see. Um another great race, I think, for Coraro, um yeah. considering that the rest of the Yamaha stable were nowhere. I think we have to give him a lot of kudos. He's definitely riding the wheels off that bike. And Dude,
2: Darren Binder actually was the second highest finishing Yamaha, which I was very surprised with.
1: He's doing a lot better though than we than we gave him credit yeah,
2: for. Yeah, he de- he really is. Like we sh- we, sh- we slammed him, and he really is. Um, he showed outperforming. Us. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he he did it. Yeah. He did it because he heard us. Right. what do we knew. I know. <laughs> We lit a fire under him like Zach Brown. Um, No, but quickly what you were saying about the um, VR46 stable, whatever you want to call it. I mean, what better track to sort of um, have those young guys performing well at Mm -hmm. Valley's track, you know, with what I was saying before. And then also just want to give a shout out actually to the VR46 team. So we have one racer who really has changed the landscape. Of GP. and even now in his retirement, like there's still exactly. that legacy and 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 that and that pathway that he's created for these younger mm-hmm. fellas coming through. I mean, and I think um, Rossi's last couple of years in GP didn't hurt his legacy, but they weren't what like didn't help his
1: legacy rem- either.
2: People remember yeah. him for. Yeah, um, and I think I was sitting with my dad a couple of weeks ago, um, and he was just watching some old uh, like Casey Stoner versus Valentino Rossi uh, uh, races on YouTube. We watched about three of them. And um, I was, I was really reminded like what it was like watching him in his heyday, you know, like it was, he, he really was a phenomenon and um, just to for him to be remembered this weekend um, and for his team to actually put in their best result and their best sort of performance, in what two years, three years of being there was awesome. Yeah, I agree. I want to sort of dig into the to the real like nitty gritty of the weekend. Um, like, firstly, we Pecco, awesome race, started from the back, and it, and it wasn't an easy race for him to get past because he was passing mainly Ducatis and then Quattarara. Um But I mean, he definitely looks. Like where he was at the end of last year, now and I think last week's crash, has yeah, sort of hurt him yeah. a bit. Yeah, I but
1: agree. um, I mean, the, he, he looks the, good. The only thing that is probably lucky for him is that the Yamaha is fickle. So if he's able to get any like semblance of consistency this season, and he was able to pick up three or four wins, I would I would say that Quadroaro wouldn't be finishing second in all those races yeah. just because of the way the bike is. And when you look at the strength of the Aprilia, he probably would have helped if he had Marquez also there filibusting. But I think the so fact that there's the,
2: um, dude, the this track, bikes is a, this track too. was so hard for him to overtake. Like yeah. you could see bikes just not able to pass. Like this was probably the first time I really noticed like bikes struggling to pass each other. And it sort of lessened at the end when you sort of saw tire strategies come into mm. play with it.
1: But I guess also but, um, when you've got that many, like when you've got the concentration of Ducatis at the front of yeah. the field, yeah. I think it's always going to be hard because they're just, they're faster than everything else. And on long, tracks with long straights, like when are you going to really get past it? Yeah. And then when it's Ducati against Ducati, the same situation is going to occur just because they're kind of all null, like nullifying each other. Um, but I think he needs to get some consistency. Where do we go now? We go to Le Mans. I'm pretty sure. They just we? came from Le Mans. So, so where's the next track then?
2: Um,
1: I'll find it. You keep talking. I can't remember. Anyway, so if he's able to get any kind Barcelona. of consistency. Barcelona. Well that's that's right. Barcelona, yeah. yeah. well, that would help the Ducati with a straight like that. Um, yeah. If he's able to get any kind of consistency, I think... Six races to go, there might be a championship up for grabs again, but he needs to really
2: kind of He's make a, hay. He even said himself, He said, I need to be a beast. Yeah, like he knows well, he needs to go into beast. Mode. What, never was, race.
1: The problem is, he you know, going into beast mode can also run the risk of crashing, putting it into the kitty have so, seen before. Yeah, well, what about the news about uh, Mark Marquez this week? What do you make of that?
2: Um, I'm, I'm not too worried about it because like realistically, his season hasn't been. Like he's not in, he's not really in the title mm. r- running. Mm. And I mean, he need like realistically, I think it's, it's
1: pretty, it's pretty obvious that there's something that's affecting him.
2: Yeah. But also the bike's not that good. I mean, it's mm. not as good as we thought it was at the start of the year. I mean, there's mm. definitely limitations to it. And if he can't race at hundred percent, like, what, like, and he has a chance to be back for next year. I mean, go for he's it. He's still
1: young. Yeah. He's still young. He's, Dude,
2: still he's 29. A, he's, 20, he's 29. I mean, he is a thing. Like, This is, I can't, I think this is going to be his last major operation. Like if it Mm. doesn't work now, man, like what are you doing? Like you're, you're, you're you're way too young to be sort of causing like permanent damage to yourself.
0: Mm. That's um, what I was going to
2: ask. Like he seems
0: to be forever injured. Is it going to affect him? He he never, he never was
2: injured for so long, but now it's, now it's just, it's, it's one injury that he can't seem to shake. The mm-hmm. same right arm problem, but um, dude, I think there's he, puts, a bit of... he puts himself in positions that he had a qualifying crash. Yeah, that was so gnarly. Um, and I was, I was when he, when he, when I saw him flip, I thought, oh, he's not getting up, and he just jumped mm. back up. Mm. But um, I mean, I'll dude, tell you
1: what, you can't, up. you can't question his spirit, eh? Like he's and he's he... a tenacious guy when it comes to riding motorcycles. Probably, he, probably foolish, but tenacious
2: nonetheless. He's tenacious to a fault. Yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, like there's, I don't see a, a, a real lose in it. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, like he, he is Honda. Um, so you know, get him well, get a, be, a better bike under him next year. Mm. Um, I think Aleix finishing third was, I mean, that Aprilia is coming into its own. He's got his his contract sorted for next year, him and Maverick for another two years. It's a
1: dark two. horse for the championship, I think.
2: I don't think he's a dark horse. I think he's on for the championship. Mm. Dude, the bike, the bike, we've had it's enough consistent. races. We've had enough races this year to see the bike in all its conditions. I mean, he just has to keep his his wits about him. Mm. Probably do Quadrara, start finishing some, like just rattling off good results. But I mean, with four, I mean, the long and short of it is he's much closer to the lead of this championship than Bagner is. Mm. You know what I mean?
1: But it's nine like, points. Yeah. If he like one thing that I was, that I think Alash has his in his like older years now. He's got a bit of wisdom and he'll stay on the bike. Um, and nine points when you know, let's say, for example, Quaderaro was to throw it down the road, a race in the season, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a very good chance that he can. Claimed, I think for a championship push to occur, I think there might need to be one or two more wins in that bike.
2: hundred percent, hundred percent. I can I see I,
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as simple as kind of making the podiums, and that's going to be good enough. I think there's got to be at least two more wins in that bike. Just to, you know, that's fourteen points essentially um, over everybody else. I think that might need to be a must. But I'm liking where that bike is, and it's definitely not the finished product at this stage. So it'll only get better uh, as the season goes on.
2: What do you think of the the news of the um? What is it, what's the team called? Rln. Yes. Um, um, Rnf uh, um, becoming the Suzuki. Uh, sorry, the Aprilia pretty much satellite, but works te- uh, satellite team, but one works bikes next year. I mean, that's yeah, massive. I, I don't know why
1: they would not want to do that, considering how compliant that bike looks this year
2: what a signal um, of intent though really mm, mm.
1: yeah i think it's it's really interesting it's almost like it's really weird like we know that Grissini is an awesome outfit and they um like they win they win at what they do like you see how well they're doing this year as soon as they get on a um as soon as they get on a ducati but at the same token we've seen um, Aprilia, you know, released themselves from Grissini almost kind of say like we need to do this on our own. We need to do it our way, um, and they finally kind of just put all those those pieces together and and developed a really great
2: bike. So they, they had they had the pieces last year with Grissini. Like let's let's not get that wrong. Like that bike was this bike is from last year. It's just m- m- more developed. I think the decision to leave Grissini was done before last year because Grissini wanted. You know, a oh. more competitive bike, and and realistically, they've they've had a the best season, a better <laughs> season even they would have had on the Aprilia this year. <laughs> but um, I mean, this season is of,
1: trumping their their late Honda success
2: with Simoncelli and really, like really, oh, oh yeah, yeah, it has to be yeah. But um, I mean, there's definitely going to be riders next year who want to be on those. Those two other Aprilias. I mean, Maverick's going to be staying with Aprilia, which I, th- which I actually think is a, is a good idea. Number one, because they've given him another two years, so there's no doubt in his mind. I mean, there's going to be contingencies, I'm sure, but um, they're giving him the confidence, and he has been making improvement from last year. Even though you said you don't see what's happening, I think, um, like he's been finishing higher than what lower than what you'd want, but higher than what he was finishing before. So I'm seeing growth. Um, I think think that second,
1: those next to Aprilia seats could be an all Australian team next year. I I would not be surprised to see Remy and Miller on Aprilia's next
2: year. Apparently Remy's going, uh, Remy's staying at KTM and Miller's going to tech three. That's the word on the street actually i did read that because the guy who's running ktm is yeah, the um, old guy um, from yeah yeah. Um, yeah so i mean that's so I hear that seems to be done oh
1: then that's not going to happen is it I mean, so there's I, going to be there's going to f- be two australians on the tech three bikes
2: that's what they're saying oh it depends what happens with Oliveira. if Oliveira if olivera leaves ktm jack will probably be on the factory or maybe we they'll could, get pole back where could olivera go uh, aprilia <laughs> or yamaha no, Yamaha's only got two bikes next year. And
1: Yeah, but I but I, I don't think what's he has what's his name signed on for Morbidelli's uh,
2: Morbidelli's contracted yeah. for next year. Okay. Um and I'm pretty sure it looks like they're keeping Quadraro because um Lynn Jarvis this week came out and said there's no room to bring in um Top rack next year. I don't think that's who they want to bring in next. He's the, mm. the 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 their poster boy, I think. Get a Turkish guy on the grid as well. Mm. Um but man, I think there's gonna be a, like you've got Rins who's not in contract. You've got me who's not in contract. Um, well, me's
1: going to. Um,
2: I think Dobby's done at the end of the Yamaha. year. A
1: Honda, sorry. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting though. It's gonna be very. It's gonna interesting. be a massive musical chairs.
0: What are we? Uh, what are we? H, throw it. I was just. I was just gonna um, get you guys to give us an update on how Remy's doing in his first season.
1: <laughs> mm, underwhelming, um, but I think. It's interesting that KTM. Like some people, like jump on that bike and they take to it straight away, and then you've got other people, not just Remy, but even someone like Zarko, who was killing it in Moto Two and jumped on the KTM and no, couldn't figure it out. On the, tech the life three. of him. Um,
2: uh, he was who? killing it on Tech Three Yamaha.
1: Yeah, sorry, he's Tech Three, but he's killed in yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I don't know. It's just interesting. I think there's a lot of pressure on Remy because he is the Moto Two World Champion. Um, I think we said it last year that he he won the championship through his consistency, but he doesn't have like that raw talent to pull a bike that like Marquez or Quattararo has. And I think that might be part of the growing pain for him and he might need a more compliant bike. And you know, the KTM it's a good bike, but it's definitely got its flaws. I mean, Oliveira has been up and down all season. Binder, for the life of him can't qualify the bike, but just manages to By the, I don't know his late race pace is just The bike
2: know, apparently bizarre. has a problem activating its tires. So once the tires get up to temperature, it seems yeah, to be fine. But there's a, lot of, a lot of damage caused like they have to do long runs in qualifying hmm. to actually get the tires worked up. And then like in a race, they're starting from the back and um, or f- further back than they would like. They're taking a bit of time to activate the tyres. So They're then by the, so by the time they they get to where they need to be and they can come through the field. We've seen it so many times. Mm. But a lot of damage is done that they have to sort of reverse. Um
1: it's so interesting because then when you saw Oliveira win the race, it was like it was a wet, wet race. Wet. He was so fine. there was no tire activation that was taking That's place. Right. And even last year when we saw Binder win in the wet in Austria um well that was a, that was a very different kind of yeah. win. But then they also performed well in Indonesia where everybody was having like issues, Activating their figuring, tires. Out, figuring out the tires as well because of the smoothness of the surface. So that actually, that makes a whole lot of sense now that you say that, but I think yet yeah, probably too early to tell both of the riders on that. He's, in that he's beating his
2: teammate. I think that's all yeah. he can really do.
1: Yeah. And they both struggled. Like it hasn't been, um, hasn't been like a, breakout year for either of them. And we kind of had high hopes for both of them at the end of last year. So I think probably need a little bit more time there.
2: Um, the, the, being a realist, you would say like this is the hardest year of any rookies coming into GP because there's at least 20 riders on that grid who, or at least 10 who can win a race. And there's 20 really good bikes on that grid. Mm. So to come in with guys who have made, who nearly all have been on the bikes before, and then to be asked to perform, you know, and, and mix it with those guys on tracks that you haven't raced on these monsters that these bikes are is a, is a hard ask. And I think the only thing, and, and the thing is the raps that they had for Fernandez were massive and, and for him to be outperforming him out racing him and now mainly out qualifying him as well. I mean, it, I think it shows the maturity that he has, but it's also showing that, yeah, he's winning his teammate battle. And like I said, at the start of the year, all he has to do is n- not be in the headlines for the wrong reasons. And if we don't yeah. talk about it, he's probably just, he's, he's, doing an okay job. I mean, KTM, they've got problems with the bike and I'm pretty sure he's alluded to the fact that tech three aren't getting the updates that they were sort of promised they would be getting as quick as they were promised they'd be getting them. Yep. I mean, so just don't crash, learn, stay on the bike and I think 2023. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, there's gonna be chances for him to progress. And I think there's gonna be seats for him. Just you know, just don't do anything stupid and don't and don't cause a scene like we've seen Zark. people like Zarko and even Yononi years ago do that, then put you out of favor with all the teams, just you know, be a professional.
1: I agree. Well, boys. The next race we have for Formula One is on the 12th of June at Azerbaijan, which is um, a very different circuit to Monaco. So it should give us a little bit more, uh, hopefully, a little bit more to talk about when it comes to the racing. (laughs) Um, The next MotoGP race is in Catalonia. That's on the 5th of June. So that's next weekend. Next weekend. got, Got a little bit more to talk about then, but I think we'll leave it there for tonight, gents.
2: Yeah, we'll go for a MotoGP deep dive next week, I think.
1: Thanks for your time, boys. Always good shooting it with you, H, yeah. Joey, legend. Mate, it's all barbecue. It is. It's always barbecue. <laughs> it's always barbecue, boys. All right, Ben. Have a great night. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks For your time. Cheers, Cheers boys. Bye. bye.